Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday morning service with Pastor John Poole. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. That uh, many times people will look at a subject like this and they misinterpret what's being said and they can take it and they go, well, that's, you know, negative or that ain't faith or, you know, God's not like that or whatever. But the truth is sometimes we need to look deeply into our soul and ask, why are these things happening? Why is this happening to me? What's going on in my life? And so um, I preached this in our church uh, a few weeks back and I was very moved by it and I was very moved to speak it because not only have I lived it, I have counseled it many, many times. And it is something that Christians go through on a regular basis. And we need to know how to go through it. But we need to see it for what it is. How many know that the devil is a liar? How many know that? And the devil will often come and he will lie to us. And his goal in lying is, you know, he's got several objectives. One is to destroy you. But if he can't destroy you, then he's going to distract you. And the way he distracts you is by sowing a lie into your life and thereby, through that lie, siphoning off your life power that he does not have. Because when you believe a lie, you empower the liar. Amen. When you believe a lie, you empower the liar. And so what you do is when we come to these places in life where... Uh, we don't understand what's going on, and the devil has sown a lie into us, and if we're not careful, we actually empower the enemy against ourselves. He takes that power, he turns it, and he uses it against us. And so the message, the title of the message that I'm going to speak this morning is called, When God Seems Silent. When God Seems Silent. And oftentimes we do go through those moments, don't we? We go through those seasons that are dark, those seasons that we feel like God is silent, those moments where we feel like God is distant. We don't understand it. It can be difficult. Uh, oftentimes, that's where we're the most vulnerable. That's where temptation rises. Oftentimes, that's where we are, if not destroyed, we're distracted. And so we really do need to deal with this subject. And so is there an answer? For when God seems silent. Well, I believe there is. And it's in Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse number 5. The Bible says these words, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, I believe in my mind that that verse of Scripture, that, that those five verses, that ought to be our mantra. That ought to be in the heart of every believer. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. 
trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Isn't that the problem? Many times we come up with better ideas, don't we? Many times we think we know better than God. We think, well, he's not doing anything, so I need to do something. Can you say amen? Now, the truth is this morning, I can't, you know, I have a, a extremely hard time at times with God. I, I, sometimes I just don't get him. I, I don't know about you, but I, sometimes it's like, what? What are you doing, God? I, I'm, I'm really not sure if you really are running the universe quite the way you should. I, I'm not sure that you got it together, God. I, I can't figure you out right now. And, you know, it, when God says in Isaiah 55, 8, that his thoughts are not our thoughts, and nor are his ways our ways, he really means it. Amen? He, he doesn't think like we do, does he? He doesn't act like we, he, he does nothing like we would do it. You know, if I were God, it would be a very, very bad day. I, I, it's, nobody would be happy, uh, including me. I think I would be happy, but the truth is I wouldn't be happy. And the thing is, is God can sometimes be hard to figure out because we can have moments in our life where we have encounters with him where he breaks through our lives with power and grace answering our pray, prayers in ways that are at times nothing short of miraculous. And in those times, he wins our trust and he causes our faith to grow beyond comprehension. But then there are those seasons in life, and they usually follow what we just described, where chaos will roll in like a rogue wave, leaving us shattered and broken on the beach of life. Can you say amen to that? It can be a physical diagnosis that is threatening your life. It can be a significant setback in our finances or on our job. It can be the loss of someone we dearly love, a, a relationship that was very special to us. It can come through rejection or betrayal or death. It can be times of unrelenting darkness, spiritual heaviness, profound temptation. It can be times of unanswered prayer, and the list can go on and on. The point is this, is that in those seasons, there is an arid wind that we don't understand. We don't know where it comes from, but it blows across the spiritual landscape of our lives, leaving us, our soul dry, cracked, and parched. And we cry out to God in our confusion, where are you? And he seems silent. He seems absent. All of God's people at some time or another go through this place. You go to this very lonely, disorienting, wearying wilderness. Now the problem is, is this is not the kind of sermon where we jump up and go, yeehaw, hallelujah. But this is the kind of sermon that gets right down into the nitty gritty of where we live. Because not every day is a hallelujah shouting day. How many know what I'm talking about? Sometimes life happens. Has life ever happened to anybody here yet? No, no, it happens, doesn't it? It creeps up on us, and it, it can get dark really quick. And we can. Has anybody ever here been angry? Don't lift your hand. Has anybody ever been tempted? Has ever, anybody ever, have you ever went, you know what, I'm not going to church today. I, I've gone to church a lot, and I'm not going today. 
I don't care. I don't care. I, you know, Pastor Omar, you know, he says come to church whenever the doors are open, but that's good for him. He's getting a paycheck. I'm not. I'm not getting paid to go to church. <laughs> come on. I've been there. I'm not doing it. I don't want to go to church. I, I, the other day I woke up and I looked at my wife and I said, I don't want to go to church. And she goes, but it's Sunday and you're preaching. I don't want to. I don't want to do it no more. I, I, I'm tired. I, I'm, I'm confused. I don't know what's going on. People don't like me there. I, I just, I don't know what's happening. Have you ever felt that? Or have you ever come to church and maybe somebody walked by you and, and, and you thought they were going to shake your hand, but they just ignored you? Well, you can play that game, buddy. I'll tell you what. I'll just shut you right down. You're dead to me. I don't, I don't care about you. You get it? I mean, it could be a dark moment. We can go to work. We're all happy-go-lucky. Man, we found the secret way through the traffic. We, we found the back streets that nobody's on, and we got to work early. We get there only to find out they're shutting our business down. Wow. We go to the doctor for a checkup. We, and all of a sudden, he comes out, and he goes, all I have is bad news for you. Come on. We go to a family reunion. And we get into a fight. Or our neighbor yells at us, or on and on. I mean, the list can go on and on. But the point is, we come to this place, and it can be very disorienting. It can be very lonely. And we can spend some time there. And you know what? All of God's people do, and there's some great people in the Bible. David was a guy that went there. Listen to what he said in Psalm 13, verses 1 and 2. He says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How, how long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? How many of us felt that way? It's like, man, when is this problem going to go away? When are those people going to shut their mouth? When is my boss going to get off my back? When is my wife or my husband going to learn to be a wife or a husband? When are my children going to obey me? When, when is my child going to come back? When am I, when is, when am I going to be healed? I'm, I've been believing God. When, God? That's where David is. Job writes in, in Job 30, 20, he says, I cry to you for help, and you do not answer me. I stand, and you only look at me. You ever had somebody just stare at you? It's a little un uneasy, you know. You're talking to them. You know, teenagers are famous for this. You go, did you clean your room? And they go. <laughs> it's like, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Answer me. You know, it's like he's, Job's here. He's going, I talked to you. I stood up. I welcomed you. I, I've believed you. I've trusted you. And all you're going to do is look at me? Come on, God. What's happening? We've all been there. Many times we've felt this way where nothing's making sense. We can't seem to get a grip on our circumstance, and we cry out to our Heavenly Father, and we sit in silence waiting for heaven to answer. And it's in this period of silence that we become frustrated 
We become vexed. We even get angry. And we want to look into heaven and scream out, God, why won't you answer me? And it's right here where we're our most vulnerable. It's right here where we feel empty and helpless, that we have our greatest temptation. And that's to do exactly what our text says not to do. And that's to try to lean on our own understanding. We try to do it our way. We, we figure, well, I'm, gonna, I, I, I'm just going to take matters into my own hands here. I'm going to fix my problem. God says, wait. And God, you say, no, no, I'm not waiting. Uh, God says, I, I, I'll speak to you in the right time. And you're like, I need it now. But you know, we're not the only ones that have that happen. Jesus, the Bible says, had that happen to him. Jesus faced this temptation. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 4 that he was led out into the wilderness, fasted 40 days and 40 nights to be tempted to the devil. And as the devil came to him, the very first temptation was this. If you really are the son of God, then turn that stone into bread. Jesus, looking at the devil, he responds to him and says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I have found that this is an interesting exchange because Jesus is showing us exactly how to handle this because the devil comes and basically what he's doing is he's assaulting Jesus's identity and he's trying to distract him with what's going on presently in his life to get him off base, to get him to respond. Let me tell you something. You ought not to respond to the devil. What you do is take authority over him. Amen. And here's what Jesus does. Is Jesus responds with the word of God, but listen to what he says. He says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What is bread? You know what bread is? is bread is the result of human endeavor. We know we, what we do is we get a mixing bowl. We put flour, water, sugar, salt, yeast, and any other ingredients. We mix it up. We, we let it rest. We let it rise. We put it in a pan. We put butter on top, cut the score at the top, put it in the oven, and then out comes bread, and it is the result of what we can do with our very own hands. And Jesus says man does not live by that alone. But he lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What is that? That's God's hand in our life. That's what God can do. Jesus understood in this moment, I cannot take matters into my own hands. There was a guy in the Old Testament. You might remember him as King Saul. King Saul tried to take matters into his own hands. This was, in fact, his downfall. If you read the story of King Saul, you'll find out this is right where he blew it. This is where God repented himself of making him king. The Bible says that Saul went out to do battle, and Samuel said, look it, I'm going to catch up to you later. When I get there, we will seek the Lord, and we will find out what the plans of God are. And so Saul puts his army in that place, and he's there. Well, some time went by, about a week, seven days go by. All of a sudden, the men, the, the warriors start getting nervous, and they're starting, some of them are starting to go AWOL. They're, they're literally leaving. He's looking out into the valley, and he can see the enemy. They're amassing. They're getting ready for battle, and there's no Samuel. There's no word from God. He's, he, he's getting upset. And so the Bible says that Saul offers a sacrifice 
to the Lord. He said, well, what's the big deal of that? It was not his place to do. It was not his place to do. I often find that Christians will try to step into places that they are not supposed to step into. It was not his place to do that. It was for, it was for priests and it was for prophets. But the Bible says Saul, or Samuel came and he says, what have you done? Why have you done this thing? And King Saul rep- responded, he says, I was compelled to do something. I had to take matters into my own hands. I didn't know where you were at. God was silent. And you know what? My men are freaking out, and and they're getting ready for battle. You weren't here, so I had to do something. It was often said in my past, it's better to do something than do nothing. Well, I declare to you that sometimes that can be disastrous. Don't take matters into your own hands. And it's right here that we have this problem, this temptation, this, 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 this thing inside us that prevents us from trusting the Lord. And the reason that we're here is because ultimately we're disappointed, aren't we? <laughs> Nobody's saying amen on that one, are we? <laughs> nope. No, I'm never disappointed with God. Me and God, I know what he's up to all the time. No, you don't. I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I, I question my faith. Is, is that too honest? Is that sometimes I question my salvation. Sometimes I wonder, man, have I been sucked into the greatest hoax that's ever been perpetrated on the face of the earth? Really, Pastor, you think that? Sometimes you, yeah, sometimes I struggle in my faith. Sometimes things aren't working out the way I want them to, and I don't understand it, and I'm wondering, where is God in all of this? And quite frankly, I'm a little disappointed with you right now, God, because you're a little too silent for me. I'm not the only one that's done this. I'm not the only one that's questioned like this. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 and 3, here's a, another guy, a pretty famous guy. You might know him as John the Baptist. He's in prison in this scripture, and he heard about all the things that the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, listen, are you really the Messiah we've been waiting for? Are you really God? Are you really the Savior of the earth? Are you really the one, or should we keep looking for someone else? You got to think about this. Here's John. He's in prison. He's about to get his head cut off, and he knows it. He's about to be a martyr for Christ. And he's wondering, he's, he's taking some inventory. And you know what? The answers are getting a little thin at this point. And he's wondering, really? You know, I'm the one that vouched for Jesus. And because I vouched for Jesus, because I said he was the one, and because I stood for him, now I'm suffering the consequences of me backing him up. And he says, Jesus, I got to know, is this worth it? Sometimes as human beings, we need to know, is this worth it? If you read Psalm 73, you'll find out the writer of Psalm 73, who is a man by the name of Asaph, he wrote Psalm 73, and he starts off the psalm by saying this. He said, my feet almost slipped. He said, I almost lost my way. 
He says, but the Lord is good. And then as he goes down, he begins to describe what he goes through. And he got looking at the world, how the rich get richer and the poor get poorer and how there's injustice and, and how life can be so unfair. And he even gets to the point, he says, I washed my hands in innocence. And he says, you know what? I did it all in vain. It did nothing for me. He goes, that's what I thought until I went to the house of the Lord. See, oftentimes men in the Bible have had a real struggle. Am I doing right? Because the answers are a little thin. When we get into that time of trouble, when we're in that season of darkness, when we can't seem to make sense out of things, when things are just not working out, when they stop making sense, or there is no immediate answer, or we don't get the answer we want, disappointment sets in, and we begin to doubt, and our temptation is to take matters into our own hands. Christian maturity this morning is best demonstrated not by how easy we have it in life, but how we manage the disappointments in life. One man said this. He said, I found that for many people, there is a large gap between what they expect from their Christian faith and what they actually experience. From a steady diet of books, sermons, and personal testimonies, all promising triumph and success, they learn to expect dramatic evidence of God working in their lives. If they do not see such evidence, they feel disappointment, betrayal, and guilt. You say, what does that mean? What it means is, is oftentimes pastors will get up, and we're really good at it. We'll get up and we'll preach a real, we'll preach a rah-rah sermon. We'll, we'll preach, we'll get up there and we'll tell you, man, God is good. And you know what? He is, he's, you know, lightning's going to fly from here to there. And, and man, uh, your whole family's going to get saved and you're getting a raise and your dogs and cats are going to be healed and your children are always going to say yes, ma'am, and no, sir. And it, it's going to be wonderful. And then you go home and you're pumped and you're like, yes, I got the victory. And then you walk in and there's your kid and he's in the corner going to the bathroom and you say stop you can't do that and he says shut up old man <laughs> and you're like that ain't the promise that's not what I was promised I thought when I got saved everything was going to get a lot easier pastor I you know I thought when I got saved I wouldn't have any more problems in fact pastor I have more problems now than when I got saved in fact, when I was a sinner, I didn't have this many problems. Oh, you did. You just weren't aware of them. Now you're a little bit more aware. Your mind is a little clearer. <laughs> Come on. And you're aware of what's going on. It's a tough place to be. Can you say amen? And so we begin to ask ourselves, well, can God be trusted? Does God really care about my life? Where is he when life hurts? Why is he so silent? Why are bad things happening to me? And these are very real questions that all of us have asked from time to time. We don't talk about it in Bible study. We don't talk about it at fellowship time. We don't talk about it at testimony time. We don't talk about it much because we're afraid to talk about it. And the reason we're afraid to talk about it is because people interpret that kind of talk as being anti-God. 
But I'm telling you, the Bible is filled with it, and it's honest about it because it is a real part of the human experience. And it's not that we need to shy away from it. What we need to do is learn to be able to trust God in it. Can you say amen? Now, here's the problem. I don't know if anyone will ever be able to answer these questions completely to our satisfaction because oftentimes there is no answer for why. Sometimes it's just the answer is because. But is there an answer that I can hang on to? Is there something that I can grab a hold of and bring stability to the storm, to bring peace to my mind? And the answer is absolutely yes. And it's found in our text, and it says this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. And acknowledge him in all all your way, and he will direct your path. That is the hope. I can trust him. I don't have to have my, I don't have to know. I don't have to have the understanding because he is going to guide me. See, when we experience, or I should say what we experience as God's absence or distance or silence really is our perception of the situation. It's how we perceive it. It's a perception. You you know, oftentimes perceptions are very real in our life. We could come in and we could see things going on and we have a perception of what's going on because we kind of read the room or we read the circumstances. The problem with our perceptions is they are limited by our five senses. See, our perceptions are the result of what we could see, hear, feel, taste, or smell. And when it comes to God's absence or his presence... His moving or his stillness, his speaking or his silence in our lives, it is usually defined or determined by what we perceive. In other words, if we feel him, if we hear him, if we see the results of his moving, we know that he is close. So therefore, when our senses fail to pick him up, we convince ourselves that he is distant and silent. That can be extremely dangerous. We've all been in services where they've been over the top, haven't we? We've been in services where we all get the goosebumps and we all cry and we all weep and we feel his presence and we walk away and we go, wow, God, you really moved in that place. Then we've been in services where they feel a little flat. Not everybody, hence my statement today, is saying amen. (laughs) Yeah, no, you ought to be up here. (laughs) See, (laughs) amen to a preacher is like sick him to a dog. And when everybody's kind of just like, (laughs) came to get encouraged, preacher. (laughs) It's like, oh, no. And immediately I can begin to think, here, I'll just use myself. I don't, I missed it. Doggone it. I knew I should have preached that other sermon. God would have really moved in that one. See, I can stir you up. I can get you going, man. I can stir you up, and we'll get stomping, and you'll get about 800 people up here, and, you know, it'll be pressure and all that, and then God will move, and the band, and we'll put the, man, we'll just get it going, and we'll walk away thinking God moved, and maybe he did. But if nobody comes up, if nobody says amen, 
Nobody goes away with the doodads. We go, well, he didn't show up. That's dangerous. Because the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. It says, we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which we see are temporary, but the things which we do not see are eternal. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In reality... God was not absent or silent or indifferent towards Job or to King David when they cried out. It was just how they felt in the moment. Nor is he distant, silent, or indifferent at all towards us, ever. Let me tell you something, church. There is more going on right now in the spirit realm than anything in the physical right now. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, when we feel forsaken by God, we are absolutely not forsaken. Why? Because his word says in Hebrews 13, 5, for he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. It is his promise. He says in Isaiah 41, 10, he says, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Not maybe, not someday. I will and I am. See, we are simply called to trust the promise more than the perception. That's the problem, church. That's why we've got to make a decision. We've got to say, you know what, God? It doesn't matter what I see. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. So what does trust mean? Well, Webster has kind of a thin definition of it. It, Webster says that it's basic dependence on someone or something, a belief that something will happen or someone will act in a prescribed way. But there's a lot more to this word than just basic dependence it's, it's a lot deeper than that. See, to trust means to have confidence, to be confident, to behold or to be secure or to be safe. He says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Listen to this. He's talking about something that comes out of relationship. He doesn't say trust in the Lord with everything you can see. Trust in the Lord with everything you can feel. Trust in the Lord with everything you can hear. He says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, your relationship. It is a relationship thing. It's, it's the implication of trust is I have a relationship with my father and I can trust him because he's coming through. He's coming through. He'll make a way where there is no way. He will answer my prayer. He will be there. Now, he may not do it the way I want it. He may not even do it in the time I want it. He may not even tell me how he's going to do it. But he will do it. Can you say amen? amen. See, Joseph trusted God while he was in Pharaoh's heart or Pharaoh's prison. Why? Because Joseph had a relationship with God. Noah, I loved Noah. He trusted God. He, you know, you got to imagine, see, somewhere you got to insert yourself into these scriptures and these stories a little bit. I know it's kind of weird to pretend that you're Noah, but I have. I, I got saved when I was real young. I got saved when I was seven. So when I would take baths, I would have Noah's Ark in my bathtub, you know. I didn't have a speedboat. I had Noah's Ark. I, 
you know, with all the little animals. And I thought I was Noah, you know. And so I, it's really easy for me to step into that. But can you imagine God rolls up one day and says, hey, Noah. So, yeah, what's going on? I want you to build a boat. What? A boat. Yep, a big boat, and you're going to haul all the animals on it. You're going to save the world. Really, God, what are you going to do? I'm going to cause it to rain. What's rained? It never rained. It hadn't rained yet. He says, well, water falls from the sky. Clouds gather in that water. It's like brand new. It's like, wow, this is what you want me to do? How about, how about Moses? I love this story. He, he, Moses turns aside, goes to the burning bush, and there he is. God says, okay, I want you to go deliver Egypt or, or deliver Israel from Egypt. I want you. And Moses says, what? You want me to do what? You want me? I'm not, I don't talk so well. I'm not a good representative. How do you want me to do this? I, do you know I'm a felon? Do you know that I murdered a guy in Egypt and, and I buried him and then I ran and I'm hiding out? I'm, I'm, I've been back here for 40 years hiding. I changed my whole appearance. That's why I got this big long beard and I wear a robe and I got a staff. And I've been hanging out with sheep. I, I, what, you, what do you want me to You want me to go back? And you want me to strut my stuff before Pharaoh and say, let my people go? Who, who, should, I, who should I tell him sent me? And God Here's the audacity of God. God goes, you just tell him I am sent you. Could God be any more vague? I am sent. I am. Maybe how about like the Lord God Jehovah that and make lightning fly or something. Or maybe send a great big angel, you know, a 12 foot tall angel that, you know, comes in and, you know, stomps and, you know, all kinds of things happen. Let's do that. He says, no. He says, you go, you take that stick. You got really, it's, it's the Bible is, the Bible is hilarious, man. It's great. I love the Bible. And he says, you go in there, just trust me. How about David? He trusted God, didn't he? He says, go down there. You just skid a rock and you're slinging. That's good enough. Really? He, he's a big guy. He, he, I, I'm just a kid. Come on. Trust also implies a willingness to let go, to relax, to rest, uh, to rest, and to submit. It means that we're just not going to be in control of our lives anymore. We're just not going to lean to our own understanding. Are you hearing that? It means that we're not going to view our circumstances through the eyes of our perception, but through the eyes of faith. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, he says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Period. Until I can't see it no more, and then I'm going to complain. Job 13, 15 says, Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. I know this, that statement comes across a little melodramatic, but when you consider what he's gone through, Job had this wonderful ability to trust in the sovereignty and province of God because he knew the power of God. He knew. Oh, yeah, he struggled. He was honest about his feelings. There's no doubt. He thought he had done wrong, and he thought he'd been, you know, uh, 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 overlooked and all those things. But somewhere at the end of the day, he trusted God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, trusting God means we rely more on the unseen than the seen. It means we rely on his strength and not our own. 
It means that we live his way and not our way. It means that we follow his lead and we stay out of the lead. It means that we come to him despite the obstacles. It means we give ourselves fully to him. It means that we persist in our faith even when he delays. I refuse to define God by my experience. I will define my experience by my God. See, the Bible says that God is a healer, period. His name is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. It says, by his stripes we've been made whole. It says, just as the brazen serpent was raised in the wilderness, and all that looked at that were forgiven and healed, so the Son of Man must be raised up. So all that look at him will be forgiven and healed. He is my healer. I don't care if healing is manifest yet. That doesn't change who he is. He is my provider. He is my safety. He is my protector. He is my deliverer. He is my savior. My situation will not determine who my God is. God determines what my situations are. Can God be trusted? Absolutely. It is a question that has been asked by many. The disciples, you remember the story. The disciples are in the boat. The storm is raging. The water is pouring in. And the disciples are freaked out. And what did they do? Jesus is asleep on a pillow in the bottom of the boat, which I cannot understand for the life of me. Think about it. Water's pouring in. So much, they got to bail. How do you sleep through all that water, Jesus? How, how, how do you get that done? If I'm laying in bed and water pours on me, I'm awake. I'm up trying to find out the source of the water. You too, right? Now, Jesus, he just sleeps through it. He is so calm, so peaceful, he sleeps through a storm. Come on. We need to take a page out of Jesus' book. Can you say Amen. But the disciples, they get so freaked out, and they wake him up. And what did they say? Don't you care about us? Don't you care that we're about to die? What are they doing? They're questioning Jesus' sincerity towards their lives. They're questioning, can I trust you? Can I trust you all the way to the bottom of the lake? Can I trust you all the way to the scene of the crash? Can I trust you? Will you really come through in time? See, what he's telling us to do is trust the promise more than the perception. Can you say amen? I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And you know, this is a very honest sermon. This sermon comes not from a book. This sermon comes from my life. Because there has been many days where I have sat in darkness. Not because I was an evil person or because I was somehow in sin or because I was doing anything wrong of my own accord. It was just simply life was happening. Sometimes life is difficult. Sometimes things happen. Sometimes we go through stuff. And we just don't like it when we do and we get mad and we... We blame God and we do all kinds of things, but it's in those moments where God says, you know what, will you trust me? Will you trust me? 
I remember one time going through a particularly difficult time in my life and really struggling, and I was praying, and I, I remember exactly where I was in my vehicle. I was driving down the road, and I came to a stop sign. I remember right there, and I, I said to God, I said, God, why all the struggle? Why? Why can't you just give me the victory? We're more than conquerors. God, I have your word on it. Why can't you just manifest this? Why? And I remember God speaking to me, and he said, you know, John, the strength you gain in the struggle will be the strength you use to maintain the victory when you got it. And see, we forget about the fact that we're in process, church. We forget about the fact that, yes, when Jesus came into our lives, we were made perfect spiritually. But now there is that thing on the inside that's got to work its way out through our lives. And there's a growth process. There's a maturing. There's a development And in that development, in that process, we're growing. And we're growing closer to him. And sometimes in that process, there are difficult days. It is not always going to come up roses. But it is always going to be in our favor. Everything God's going to do is going to be for our benefit and his glory. Can you say amen? And sometimes what we got to do is we got to trust. So how do we trust him? Listen to what Deuteronomy 7 verse 9 says. He is faithful. And he keeps his covenant for a thousand generations. He is faithful to keep his covenant for a thousand generations. God, he tells us in the book of Hebrews that he saves us to the uttermost. Nothing's ever undone. Yes, he is working things out. And yes, difficult times come. But he is faithful to the faithless. And he's faithful to our lives. He is who he claims to be. Can you say amen? Every word he speaks is true. And every promise he makes will be, will be kept. And he loves you more than you will ever know. He is faithful. Will you trust him? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.